Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. You're listening to the Huddle Up Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Welcome in, everybody, to the Huddle Up Podcast presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle, and powered by Overtime Media. I'm your host, Chad Jensen, and with me as always is my partner in crime. You know him and love him as the lead NFL writer for Heavy.com. He is Zach Kelberman. Zach, it was normally, you know, you expect Sundays to be quiet when it comes to covering the Broncos outside of the regular season, but that, it was a busy day today. we got to get down, and for our listeners, of course, they'll be checking this out Monday, but we're still here on Sunday, and dude, it's been a busy day. I woke up this morning. I couldn't believe all the news that came out, Chad. I mean, injuries, uh, Holland being waived, which came as a surprise to me, but then not really. And then, of course, the, I mean, the Broncos signed a, a quarterback. It was a very busy Sunday, and they have a, uh, a very busy practice today. A lot to talk about there. But they got right back to work after that, that tough uh, preseason loss. A big roster move, some news about an injury we're going to get to today. So much to dive into. We're going to get to it here in just one second. First, a couple of quick reminders, especially for those of you who are new listeners. And by the way, we know each and every week this podcast is growing exponentially by about a 15 to 20% margin. So for those of you who are longtime listeners, you hear me say these type of things, just bear with us because the new listeners need the information, okay? Follow the show on Twitter, at HuddleUpPod. That's how you keep your finger on the pulse of what's happening with the show in real time. For those of you who are new listeners on YouTube, make sure you're subscribing. Don't forget to like. Don't forget to comment. And if you like what you hear, share it out. And the same goes for our new iTunes, Apple Podcast listeners. If you like what you hear, give us a creative review and a five-star rating. Fantasy football fans, you got to listen up. Do you want to join the biggest NFL season-long tournament ever? Of course you do. If you love fantasy football, and we know you do, then you need to enter the $3.5 million best ball championship on draft. That's right. 
$3.5 million in real money. It is absolutely enormous. It's huge. It's season long, but there's no management. You just set it, you forget it. So instead of agonizing over your lineup every single Sunday, Draft does the analysis for you, gives you the most efficient, best odds to win your matchup lineup week in and week out. You do a draft, 16 weeks later, you could be a millionaire, literally. It does not get any easier than that. It's the highest rated fantasy app, and it's available on the App Store and Google Play, or you can just go online to draft.com. For a limited time only, you can get a free entry into the Best Ball Championship when you make your first deposit, but you have to use our promo code HUDDLE. That's right, a free shot at a million dollars just by using our promo code HUDDLE when you make your first deposit on Draft. Also, a phenomenal way to support the Huddle Up podcast. Just search Draft in the App Store or go to Draft.com and come play free with promo code HUDDLE. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. All right, Zach, let's start with the first thing that blasted across my news feed that I was getting blown up on as soon as I woke up this morning, and that is the fact that Theo Riddick, less than one week after he signed a one-year deal worth $2.5 million, a million of that being fully guaranteed, the news breaks that he has fractured his shoulder. He's out six to eight weeks. Yeah, uh, I was uh, surprised that because they hid that injury very well, we didn't really have any inkling that he was injured coming out of that game. And it's awful because of the one Kevin Hogan pass, that Aaron pass that he had, it showed that Rich Scangarello had designs for uh, Theo Riddick. And another injury for this Broncos team, Chad, and how much longer before we start to point the finger at all these injuries mounting up? I don't want to start blaming. I don't want to start putting on tinfoil hats, but, I mean, it's getting to be a pattern now. It's not a lower body one, but it's another blow to this Denver team. And something with this training regimen. Maybe it's the practices. Maybe it's Fangio putting them in pads every day. But I'm starting to think they should pull back just a little bit. Yeah, the bodies are just dropping. And for those of you who can think back to that Seattle game, you can go check out a, a tweet of mine, at Chad and Jens, and you can see the play itself. But for those of you who can remember, bottom of the first quarter, Broncos are threatening in Seahawks territory. They're at like the 39. It's a fourth and two. Fangio decides to go for it, of course, because it's preseason. Probably would have gone for it in the regular season, too, to be honest with you. But they go for it, and in that play, of course, Riddick starts out uh, next to the to the quarterback in shotgun, and then he motions out to the to the far right snap, and he runs just a quick slant wide open. Would have converted, except Hogan kind of sailed it upfield and too far inside, a little bit high too, where he Riddick had to kind of lunge up and extend 
And, of course, it was incomplete, and then he took a, a nice little pop there, a shot from that Seahawks DB, and the rest is history. So, Zach, I'm curious. This kind of ties into another kind of news point storyline from Sunday, the fact that Drew Locke had exclusive second-team reps. Now, of course, this is the first game sin- or the first practice since that Seahawks game in which Locke showed some tremendous progress. And how much of Kevin Hogan – not just losing those second-team reps, but running scout team. Mm-hmm. Okay, it went Joe Flacco first team, Drew Locke second team, Brett Rippon third team, and running scout, you know, simulating the 49ers is Kevin Hogan. Did you think any the, – the, the theoretic injury, the fact that he was wildly inaccurate in his two or three possessions he had that night, bad pass led to an injured player, do you think that factored into the fact that he was running scout team? I don't think it was any one play. I think it was just a collective uh, uh, failure. And he was, Hogan, he was very unimpressive to me, Chad. He just did not do enough to move the needle. He did not do enough to hold off Drew Locke and his arm talent. And that Seattle game was the definite, uh, the 90% of the way the Broncos, I think, made up their mind to have uh, Drew Locke be the backup quarterback. And in practice, the extra 10% closed the door. Having Kevin Hogan be the third quarterback is one thing, but to then bump up Brett Rippon, who didn't play at all in the Seattle game, and now he's uh, the number three over Kevin Hogan, that says a lot. And look, we've been pining for it for a while, Chad, and it wouldn't surprise me if Maybe a couple days from now, maybe a week after the uh, a couple days after the 49ers game, if Kevin Hogan's no longer on the roster, but it has to happen soon. The longer he's around, he's just taking everything away from these quarterbacks. He just doesn't present any upside, you know. And right. again, it's a misnomer, <clears throat> excuse me, that he is like the experienced failsafe. You know, it's like it was pointed out well by Brian Greasy on the broadcast of the Seahawks game that. Yeah, you know, he's been in the league for a few years, but he's only got one career start, okay? So that's all that separates him, really, from a guy like Drew Locke, from a guy like Brett Rippon. So I think the Broncos are kind of coming around to the idea that, look, we were looking for a clear separation of competency between Kevin Hogan and Drew Locke, and they're just not seeing it. Like, there was an inkling of it in that first game, in the Hall of Fame game, but... The second game there against the Seahawks, it was nowhere to be found. And by the way, a quick tangent, a quick aside. I've seen some of the comments, some of the feedback on YouTube, giving you guys a little shout-out. Some of you have taken exception to what Zach and I have said about Drew Locke's performance against the Seahawks. Now, a couple of things to keep in mind. Zach, I don't think either one of us are saying that uh, you know it was some kind of like Aaron Rodgers-esque performance from Drew Locke. Farthest, I mean, it, nothing could be further from the truth. All we've said in that first, or excuse me, second game against the Seahawks is that Drew Locke showed progress. Now, I wrote an article, also published a video showcasing five different areas of his game in which he did show progress. And if you can't recognize that, then I don't know what to tell you. But Zach, most metrics, I mean, you can go back, watch the film, but most metrics in which a quarterback is is analyzed Drew Locke showed progress that game, and, and even Vic Fangio said it has said it now a couple of different occasions since the game ended. I don't see how any Broncos fan can watch that game and not see progression from Drew Locke. 
I understand the reservations after the first game. I get it. No, he wasn't a bust, but he he looked kind of shaky. But a lot of that was gone in the second game, Chad. His footwork was cleaner. He was a little more accurate. He had that it factor, threw his first touchdown, shut off his arm, threw with anticipation. Those are all things that the Broncos drafted him to be, and those were all things Kevin Hogan cannot do. But for any Broncos fan to still call him a bust or admit Elway made a mistake after a second pre, I can't believe I'm reading those comments, Chad. I'm glad you brought it up. I mean, Broncos fans have been pining and pining and pining for a, a franchise quarterback prospect to be on the roster. And now when he finally is, they're complaining about him and they're holding him to an impossible standard. So the, the tantrum was a good word because it, the Broncos country has to relax. That sect of Broncos country who continues to overreact to Drew Locke for whatever reason, you have to calm down and understand what he's doing and appreciate the progression from week to week. Well said. I think it was interesting as well. He was asked Vic Fangio following practice, whether or not the media, it's safe to say that Drew Locke is now the number two quarterback. He said, quote, I'm not. You said we. I'm not. You can say it, but I'm not, close quote. In other words, you know, they're not making any official change to the depth chart at this point. But as Mike Kliss wrote in his report of Sunday's training camp practice, the headline reads, practice reps say Drew Locke is the new number two quarterback. And here's why this is different than the other times in which Drew Locke has received like an increase in second team reps. He had exclusive second, re, uh, second team reps on Sunday. And not only that, Kevin Hogan, again, I, I mentioned this, he didn't just get you know demoted to third team. He was running scout team, which to me says volumes in terms of how this coaching staff and likely also the front office right now is viewing the quarterback situation. Look, you've got if you're looking for a failsafe and your name is John Elway and Vic Fangio, you've already got your failsafe. His name is Joe Flacco. Right. Everything else beyond that should be about maximizing the long-term potential and payoff of your two young, talented quarterbacks. And they each bring something different to the table. Obviously, Drew Locke is a very toolsy, traitsy quarterback, and Brett Rippon's uh, skill set is more uh, intangible and in between the ears and what he brings. But one thing that they both share is they were four-year starters at their respective schools in college. And so the Broncos just need to hang their hat on that, Zach, and focus on getting these guys as many quality reps as possible, with especially a focus, obviously, on Drew Locke getting as many quality reps with the second team in practice and going against the second team in these preseason games. I, I mean, it's not a bad lineup to have. You can do a lot worse than a 34-year-old who you think is entering his prime who's been fairly injury-resistant beyond, you know, just last year. Then you have the big-armed, you know, potential face of the franchise, the second-round pick. Then you have the heady Trevor Simeon type and in, in, in Brett Rippon as your third quarterback. You can do a lot worse than that. Having Kevin Hogan there, he doesn't fit any of those packages. He's just taking up space. So Vic Fangio has started the, the process of phasing Kevin Hogan out. I am all for it. It should happen sooner than later. That's the way this business goes. Like you said, they need to give the reps, and, and while they can, as many as they can, to Drew Locke and Brett Rippon, who need them a lot more than a journeyman in Kevin Hogan. Let's uh, go back to the theoretic issue. Six to eight weeks. Now, in real time, you know, an actual four weeks from now, the Broncos are going to be at the regular season opener. So the soonest he's expected back based on this prognosis is – you know, two and a half, maybe three games into the regular season, a full month possibly into the regular season. So that being the case, Zach, do you see any circumstance in which the Broncos go, you know what, we tried, you know, we're on the hook for that million bucks, but we got to make hay while the sun's shining. 
Devontae Booker makes the roster. You know, Philip Lindsay, Royce Freeman, obviously, they're going to have to carry a fullback. I mean, if you think about this, you got the injury to both Andy Janovich and now Theo Riddick. Those two injuries are really throwing the roster math off kilter big time because now on the fullback side, the Broncos, you know, worst case scenario, we're going to carry three running backs and a fullback. So all in, four guys. But now with two guys who they fully intended on making this roster being injured and and to start the, the regular season, now they have to decide whether they want to carry as many as five, even six total running backs because if not, here's your options. For example, Andy Janovich, injured, theoretic injured. Neither one of them are eligible for PUP because they participated during a training camp practice. That, that immediately writes them off the PUP possibility. They're both eligible to be placed on injured reserve because every NFL team can bring two players back off injured reserve during the regular season, but they have to wait eight weeks. So unless you were willing to you know, roll the dice and put Andy Janovich on injured reserve, bring him back halfway through the season, meanwhile you're going to roster the rookie George uh, Aston. It's kind of a weird situation. What do you do? Here's what I think is going to happen, Zach. I think the Broncos are going to end up carrying four running backs, and I think they're going to cut George Aston and put him on the practice squad and see how the first week or two goes. And in terms of fullback duties while Andy Janovich is injured, and I'm talking regular season here, I think they'll ask a a tight end to play some H-back and do some lead blocking and just try and get by by the skin of their teeth while Janovich heals because you can't carry – two fullbacks on the active roster and you don't want to put at the same time Andy Janovich is your your only other alternative would be to put Andy Janovich on injured reserve which means you're waiting eight games before you get him back yeah you I think you nailed it Chad I, I don't think Janovich will be out that long personally knowing how tough he is and how strong he is I would not be surprised to see him back by week two and you can get by for a couple weeks without a fullback like you said a tight end in that spot uh, maybe like Hireman as a, as a blocker would work just fine uh, and in terms of Theo Riddick, he's a little more expendable to me. It's going to come down to how much the Broncos really value him. They gave him a $1 million guarantee in his contract. They paid him a fair amount, which suggests they want him on the 53-man roster. But now this injury does change things. This is by far a prime opportunity for Devontae Booker. Next couple weeks in the preseason, it can determine whether he's going to have a job in Denver or whether Theo Riddick's going to have a job. It's still, in my opinion, going to be one or the other. You don't need both, you don't, and Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman. It's going to be too much of the same position. I would not be surprised if Booker impresses over the course of the next couple of games. They cut Theo Riddick and just it's a tough break for them, you know, figuratively and literally. I'm actually in full agreement with you on this. It might sound controversial or like some kind of a hot take, but let us just put it this way to our great listeners: Don't be surprised if the Broncos end up maybe against their own will, but due to you know an unrelenting, pitiless roster math having to cut bait with Theo Riddick because they're just in an awkward situation now with also a fullback being injured. You know, how many running backs can you justify carrying? It's either that or just be willing to be without a couple guys for eight full weeks of the regular season, which, you know, if you're going to pay a million dollars to Theo Riddick and you do want him no matter what, you don't want him missing as many as six games that he wouldn't otherwise have to if you hadn't put him on IR. So it's a situation to monitor It's definitely a tricky, touchy situation that the Broncos are now dealing with, and we'll see how it continues to unfold. Now, a couple other big items that we got to get to in today's show that occurred on Sunday. We'll get to them here in just a second. First, we got to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. All right, Zach, we got to touch on and bid adieu and farewell and happy trails to Mr. Jeff Holland, who was waived by the Denver Broncos on Sunday. The corresponding roster move was the team signed Rashard Kazi. I'm not sure. I think that's how you pronounce his name. A cornerback, undrafted rookie cornerback, who they got a good look at in the Atlanta game, in the Hall of Fame game. The Falcons waived him, and so they signed him to replace Holland. Now, after uh, practice on Sunday, let me just read what Vic Fangio had to say really quickly about the Jeff Holland uh, transaction, and then I'll serve this over to you. He said, quote, I like the way Malik has played. We like him a lot, but also, of course, talking about Malik Reed, we like him a lot, but also we had eight guys there at outside linebacker. We need some guys at other positions. That was where we had the most guys stacked up to make it work. Close quote. So, in other words, the great performance through two preseason games of Malik Reed, in which he's tallied a sack in each game, multiple pressures, kind of uh, marginalized Jeff Holland, made him expendable. Your thoughts, Zach, on the Denver Broncos parting ways with Holland, who showed so much promise as an undrafted rookie last year, but simply hasn't been able to make any hay under Vic Fangio? It, it was surprising to me, Chad, and not surprising at the same time. It's surprising because... This is a guy, like you said, had great breakout potential. He looked really good under Vance Joseph, and you expected him to take that leap. One of the guys, if anyone, under Vic Fangio, a guy who coached outside linebackers, and he it just never materialized. From what I saw from him on the field, when he was on the field this preseason, he was pretty bad in run support. He didn't get much pressure. And as soon as Malik Reed came on the field, chat, it was a whole different thing, night and day difference. And he caused more pressure, and uh, Fangio – he has to feel more confident going with him as a direct backup. I, I think it's surprising that he got cut at this stage of the summer. I mean, it's still August 11th. It didn't happen to final cuts. But obviously that he didn't show well on film, and, and Fangio believes that he's not going to progress this season. And I'm happy he's giving Malik Reed a shot. He was a guy I really liked coming out as an undrafted free agent, and he's just that next gem that John Elway unearthed as an undrafted guy. So, of course, we know it's going to be Von Miller, Bradley Chubb, and traditionally – most NFL teams are going to carry four outside linebackers. There is the odd year. The Broncos have done so times under John Elway where they'll carry five. But here's who, I, I think they're, they're hedging against just going with four in 2019. So you got Bradley Chubb, Vaughn Miller. There's two. Sounds like Dakota Watson, and by virtue of his contract and the fact that they gave up a fifth-round pick to get him in the draft, he takes up that third spot. Obviously, the leader in the clubhouse for the fourth is going to be Malik Reed. But with uh, Jeff Holland gone, the other guys who factor in, you got Justin Hollins, rookie fifth rounder, who's playing off ball and edge, Aaron Wallace, Ahmad Gooden. And let me see if I'm missing anybody here. I think that pretty much covers it. So it sounds like Malik Reed, barring an immense regression in these final three preseason games, he's making this 53, Zach. I don't see how he wouldn't make the 53, Chad. And you don't need many linebackers beyond that. I mean, you have a future Hall of Famer in Von Miller. You have Bradley Chubb, who's going to be an all-pro soon. And you have a young guy and uh, 
uh, uh, Malik Reed, who's looked really good, a, a developmental guy for Vic Fangio. My thing is, though, with Hollins, is he outside linebacker? Is he inside linebacker? I'd rather the Broncos nail that down now before moving forward with all these changes, Chad, at outside and inside. Let's pick one position for that guy. But outside, though, uh, with the other three, I think they're in good shape still. Yeah, and that's a tough thing that they're asking a rookie to manage, learning and playing two positions as a rookie. It obviously was a disaster for Demarcus Walker back in 2017. This is a different coaching staff uh, that prioritizes teaching in a much more passionate way than the previous regime did. So there is that aspect. And obviously, Justin Hollins and Demarcus Walker are two different human beings with different character and everything that goes along with that. So it's it's not ideal to ask him to, to learn to. So far, I think he's, I don't know, just based on two preseason games, I think he's basically treading water. I can't think off the top of my head of Justin Hollins making any kind of a big impact play. And by that, I mean, you know, open field tackle, quarterback sack, forcing a turnover. You know, he's kind of been average. Average. Yeah, I mean, average. Yes. So what's been your take so far on Hollins through a couple of preseason games? I agree with you. I really haven't noticed him in, in a good way or a bad way. He's just another player on the roster right now. And I think what where he hurts is two of the Broncos starting inside linebackers are injured. So who is he leaning on in practice on the field? I mean, it's tough for a guy learning two spots. And I believe, based on what I saw in his film anyway, that he's a better outside linebacker, a better pass rusher than having a move to off ball. But with all the injuries, Chad, it's so tough. I Hopefully he progresses, but he's looking like way more of a developmental guy and our project guy that I think the Broncos would have hoped for initially. Speaking of off-ball linebacker, the Denver Broncos made a decision on Sunday. Well, who knows when they made the decision. They executed the decision on Sunday in which they are taking safety Jamal Carter, and they're going to play him for now exclusively at off-ball linebacker. Now, this isn't that big of a departure for Carter because as a strong safety, he's got plenty of experience playing in the box as a dimebacker, but there's a big difference between, you know, covering a tight end in a nickel package, you know, on third down and actually being an off-ball linebacker on first and second down where you are pursuing the run, you're contending with, you know, offensive tackles, guards, centers, big 300-pounders. You have to be able to stack, you got to be able to shed and still find a way to get to the ball carrier. Now the concern with Carter and I'm not saying I am concerned, but the concern is the fact that he's only 215 pounds. Now, I can think back to when uh, most fans can remember Wesley Woodyard. He was brought in as an undrafted rookie. I think it was 08, might have been 09. And he was really light. He was a converted uh, defensive back himself. He eventually, you know, beefed up and put on weight and got up into the 230s, if I recall correctly. But at 215 pounds, you know, it's it's you're, you're, you can be ragdolled by these 300-pounders at the point of attack. So for me, Zach, that's the the only real concern with Carter. However, I do like his, I mean, he's a very physical player. I think there's a chance he could really succeed here, but it's probably now his best shot at the roster because he was another guy that was kind of fading into the background with this safety competition. And that's exactly what his reasoning was reportedly for the switch was he thought he had a better chance of making the 53 as an inside linebacker versus a safety. I happen to think he's right considering all the inconsistency. This puts a lot of pressure, though, on Sua Cravens, who's kind of like the same player, a tweener. And uh, Jamal Carter said he wants to be a Mark Barron type, a Dale Buchanan type, a dimebacker. He has the physicality, like you mentioned, Chad. He has the athleticism. He's good on special teams. 
he can really work his way the next couple of weeks here. And if Sua Cravens kind of fades in the background, I believe he can push his way onto the roster considering all these injuries. I happen to be a big fan of Jamal Carter. I know you are too. I think the Broncos missed his presence to some extent last year, um, and he makes them a better team. So I like this move all around. If they can get a Mark Barron type to go in this Vic Fangio defense, I'm all for it. I mean, it will definitely be interesting to see how this thing shakes out because what we've talked about it on the podcast, Nick Kendall has pointed it out on, I think, both preseason games so far, but what the Broncos off-ball linebacker core appears to be missing top-down from Todd Davis all the way down to the last guy is that twitchy athleticism and an ability to cover in short areas. You know, and you'd think that with all those years of playing defensive back, being Jamal Carter, that some coverage ability would be the one leg up a guy like him would have joining that linebacker core. And, I mean, yeah, his opportunity at safety just drying up. And a lot of that, too, has to do with the fact that the Broncos are intent on playing Kareem Jackson pretty exclusively at safety. Now, who knows how it could change in-game, but in terms of roster math, Kareem Jackson is very much a safety. So when you throw in there Justin Simmons, you got Will Parks, you got Kareem Jackson, there's three guys right there. There's a chance they could carry as many as five safeties, but I'm thinking they're going to try, especially with what's going on on the offensive side of the ball, the injuries there, and with what's going on at linebacker too, they're going to try and stick with four, which right now, if they stick with four, that next guy's probably going to be Sua Cravens, maybe DeMonte Thomas. So for Carter, this is his best shot. I think for that fourth guy, Chad, you bring up a good point. If they have to go heavy elsewhere, they're going to want that fourth guy to play both spots. They can get an inside linebacker and a safety in one player, and they can save a roster spot at both areas. I, I think they would rather go that. So that's why I'm saying Jamal Carter versus Sua Cravens, if he has a good couple weeks, Carter now, fully healthy and committed to a new position and apparently motivated, I think he has a good chance of pushing for it. I am particularly a fan of his, so I think he has a good chance in Fangio's system. It will be fun to see how it works out, and he's still got a lot of daylight left to prove himself three full preseason games until any decisions are made in terms of formulating the final 53. So we'll see how he looks. And, of course, the Broncos are going to get the San Francisco 49ers in joint training camp practice sessions this week before the game on Saturday, I believe this one is. Um, So it'll be fun to see how it shakes out. But in the meantime, that's going to do it for today's episode of the Huddle Up podcast. Zach and I... Stay tuned for this. We have some fun things cooking, some different ideas we're working on. We're going to roll out this week at some point in which we are going to be a lot more active on YouTube and kind of compound what we're doing here with the podcast with some additional content for you, our listeners and and viewers on YouTube. So stay tuned for that. Some cool things coming this week. More information is going to come out, so, so just stay tuned. But also make sure you're following the show on Twitter, at HuddleUpPod. That's how you stay in touch with us on a day-to-day. You can find my partner, Zach Kelberman, on Twitter, at KelbermanNFL, myself, at Chad and Jensen. Stay tuned. We'll be back tomorrow with a fresh podcast. For Zach Kelberman, I'm Chad Jensen. We'll talk to you then. You've been listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going. I'm Sulin Wong, host of The Prince, a new podcast series from The Economist. It's about China's leader, Xi Jinping. He's the most powerful man in the world, but he remains a mystery. 
His story is hidden behind a brutal censorship and propaganda machine. After 10 years in charge, it looks like he'll break convention to stay on, perhaps for the rest of his life. I'll tell the real story of China's leader, the lessons he learned from watching his parents lose everything and from rising through the ranks of a vicious regime. Now, he's using those lessons to control over a billion people. He's changed China, he's changed my life, and the decisions he makes affect us all. To understand what's next, you need to know where he came from. Listen to The Prince from The Economist, wherever you get your podcasts. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 